Welcome to Everything Dog Training with me, John McGuigan. Our goal is to bring you information on dog training methods which work and are kind, cutting through the myth and the folklore to help you have a better behaved, happier, emotionally healthier dog who is a joy to be around. Hi everyone, I hope you're all doing uh, well and are safe. Uh, hope you're all getting through the pandemic as best as we can. And we are, well, I've seen a few things saying that we're all in the same boat. Uh, we're not all in the same boat. We're all in the same storm. And some of us have got boats which are more capable than others. So some of us are unfortunately pay, paying a greater share of the price of this global pandemic than others. And if you are interacting with other people, just bear that in mind. There are people that are out of work, uh, not working, worried about their jobs on reduced wages. Uh, and there's others who are fortunate enough to be still be working. So do bear that in mind. It has a massive effect on people's behaviour and their moods. Um, so be kind to people. It's really, really difficult just now. So today we are going to talk about training equipment. I'm going to give you... Um, and these are not opinions uh, on it. It's, I'll give you. I'll tell you the difference between an opinion um, and and actually how they work. Uh, so there's a lot of misinformation out there about um, training various uh, pieces of training equipment, and I'm going to break them all down and uh, show you what we um, how they work. Okay. So the first thing I'd like to say is about intended use. Okay, so what we've got is um, what the piece of training equipment is intended for versus how that piece of training equipment can be abused. So if we look at, uh, as an example of that, a ballpoint pen. Okay, um, a ballpoint pen is intended for use as a writing implement. It is not intended for use as a weapon. However, it could be used as a weapon if somebody is so inclined to do that. So you could stab somebody with a ballpoint pen. Um, and I know that the, the, these analogies I'm given um, can be violent, but it's when that is abused. Okay, so when it's it's not intended for that but it's when it's abused. So an example of that would be a flat collar. A flat collar is intended to sit on a dog's neck and attach the lead to it. It's not intended to be used as a, as a piece of training equipment. It's not intended to be used to give the dog corrections. Okay. And I'll see people saying that, that you can give corrections with a flat collar. Yeah, you absolutely can. But then the flat collar, that's not its intended use. Somebody is using it to give the dog corrections, but it's not what the flat collar is intended to do. Okay. Uh, so we're going to talk about flat collars, head collars, harnesses, the different types of harnesses, uh, leads, uh, slip leads and choke chains, uh, prong collars, and electric collars, and uh, long leads as well. Okay. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about muzzles. So when we're looking at all this, if we're we have to, again, go back to that intended use. So we can use various uh, things to change behavior. So basically what happens uh, is that uh, we move away. Uh, we either escape or avoid unpleasant uh, stimuli or unpleasant things. And we move towards and act to prevent the loss of, of pleasant things. Okay, so that's a, a, I mean, that's a, a real um, simplification of that. Okay, so it's in, in its barest, um, in its barest terms, or most basic terms rather, um, we've got good things. We don't we want to gain good things, and we want to stop good things from going away. 
We want to avoid bad things and escape them when they happen. Okay, so bearing those four things in mind, okay, uh, ha have a look at or, or think about um, the training equipment and what it's used for. Okay, so flat collar. Um, there's a move away within the positive training uh, world of uh, from flat collars. Okay, um, and the reason for that is that a dog which pulls pulls on a lead. Okay, and attached to a lead and a flat collar is putting all the pressure of the dog's weight onto its uh, throat or its trachea. Okay, and if you just listen just now, so all I'm going to do is, and that's that's with slight pressure. I don't know if you can hear the difference in my voice. So that's with really slight pressure on my um, Adam's apple there, just as I'm talking. Okay. So there's more vibration there. If I push a little bit faster, uh, more, and you can hear the change in my voice, okay? And you can also hear, so that's just changing how that affects my voice, okay? Now, if I was to continue, sounds like Joe Pasquale. So if I was to continue doing that over a certain amount of time, that's going to become uncomfortable really quickly, really, really, really quickly. Um, I've mentioned before that I do um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as my hobby, and uh, not not this year, I've not, mind you. Um, but the um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, much of the submissions come by choking or strangling each other. Okay, sounds like fun, doesn't it? Okay, so I know what this pressure on your neck feels like, uh, and uh, all too well. Okay, so you've got that pressure on your on your collar. Uh, sorry, on your on your neck from the dog pulling forward on the collar. Okay. Um, now again, that's pressure that is being exerted, but the collar is not intended to exert pressure on the dog's on the dog's neck. Okay, it's just a, a a side effect of it. Okay, and that's even if we're just holding the lead and moving forward without us pulling back on it or snapping harshly or um, with a correction on that collar. Okay. Um, a uh, trainer that I know, um, she commented that a flat collar is there to attach a dog's um, dog tag to. Okay, and that's that's basically what a flat collar is for. Okay, which I thought was a really nice way of putting it. Again, with all these things, it's a balance between our needs and the dog's needs. Okay, and uh, we're looking to teach both parties as much as we can so that we get both of our needs met with uh, the minimal amount of disruption and harshness to each party okay so flat collar now when i first got logan um he was uh, really 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 unruly and he's a really powerful dog so he's 35 kilos 34 kilos of muscle and i wanted control of his head so i did have him on a flat collar and um, but it was a big broad flat collar um, and that meant that if i was moving away and I had to move him away and moved him with my body. So what I would do is I would relax my upper body and move backwards with my feet. Um, that it's much easier for him to turn, um, much easier for me rather to turn him um, when he was wearing a collar because it's closer to the, his head. Okay, so in martial arts, we talk about control the head, control the body. If you ever see movies and uh, clips of um, people controlling people, controlling others, um, if they take a hold of their head and move their head, okay, and you see them turning their head side to side, it's really easy to control somebody that way, okay. So what we've got, the benefit to us is that it makes it easy to control the dog, easier to control the dog, 
the bit the side effects for the the adverse side effects for the dog of that is that we're putting pressure on the dog's neck and throat, which is not ideal. Okay, so that's a flat collar. Okay. Now we'll go on to harnesses. Okay, so the harnesses I prefer, and I'm not being paid to endorse any of these harnesses. These are just the harnesses that I like. Okay, any harness which has a Y-shaped yoke at the front. Okay, um, so if you look at head on to the dog um, and take a picture of the dog in uh, profile, um, sorry, head on rather, okay, and uh, portrait, okay, you see the dog in portrait. Um, the, it would look like a Y, so left and right, and then come down the middle of the dog's chest. So perfect fit, make a really good Y-shaped harness, and that's what I used to walk Logan on. Uh, rough wear, and it's R-U-F-F wear, rough, okay? Rough wear, make a good Y-shaped yoke harness, and also bully billows, uh, just as it sounds, bully and billows like pillows, okay? Bully billows, I've got a new harness coming out, which are Y-shaped yokes, okay? And what the Y-shaped yoke does is it allows the dog to freely move their shoulders, okay? So other um, harnesses, when you look at them, and I'll go into some of them in more detail, other harnesses, when you look at them, restrict the dog's uh, shoulders. So the dog is not able to move properly um, that flow movement from the shoulder. So imagine that we take a belt, okay, and I put it just below your... Um, your butt cheeks, okay, and then I tighten it, and now we go for a walk, okay. Um, so you see that um, that movement is restricting your hip movement. So some some harnesses restrict the dog's shoulder movement, okay. Or very often you'll see people, um, women mainly, wearing um, skirts which are restrictive, okay, and um, like a, a a short tight skirt that goes down to just above or just below the knees and you can see the um what i would look at there is, is can you run in that and the answer is probably not okay um all right so you're wanting uh for a, a harness to have the dog's um uh, shoulders and back end but the harness is attached to the front end the dog's heart, um, shoulders moving freely okay with the perfect fit the perfect fit does have a front clip but it's not intended um, to have the lead attached to the front clip. Okay, it's intended, if you're going to use it, you use both front and back clip. Okay, um, and I'll talk about front clip harnesses next. Okay, so that's a, a um, the back clip um, or Y-shaped yoke. Okay, so freely Y-shaped yoke, um, not disrupting the dog's shoulders. And ideally what we're looking for is that the harness clip to go kind of between roundabout at the dog's shoulder blades there or thereabouts. Okay, so we're wanting it just forward of the, the midline, okay, or forward of the midline rather. So there's some harnesses that you get which are um, pulling harnesses that you'll have for uh, racing, for sledding, uh, for weight pulling, things like that. And they're designed to allow the dog to, to pull forward through that harness, but the, the weight is back the way. Okay, so people, uh, often I get uh, people turning up and they'll have a, a harness which is not appropriate for training and it's because the harness, is, uh, the harness clip that attaches to us through the lead is far too far down the dog's back. Okay, so because I do a lot of work with dogs that are aggressive and reactive towards other dogs, I want to be able to have physical control of the front end if I need to. And the further the clip 
clips down the back end of the dog. So further down towards the tail or the small of the back, the harder it is for the dog for us to physically control the front end if we need to. Okay. Now, going on from that, I'm going to say this is. Um, <laughs> I did a little video on this. It's on my YouTube channel and on my Facebook from a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, you you hear this often that harnesses cause pulling. Okay, and I'm going to say this. This is not an opinion. Okay, this is uh, the science of behaviour change. Harnesses do not cause pulling. They just don't. They don't cause pulling. They don't cause pulling any more than you getting into a Ferrari causes you to drive fast it allows you to drive fast but it doesn't cause you to drive fast what causes you to drive fast is that you enjoy driving fast or you get to go faster to your destination okay so it's the results of our behavior that make the behavior happen again the next time okay so a harness does not cause pulling okay and i will invite anybody to challenge me on that and go through the signs of this Okay, harnesses do not cause pulling. And in case you didn't hear me, harnesses do not cause pulling. They allow the dog to pull. They don't cause the dog to pull. Okay. All right. So moving on from that, front clip harness. Um, front clip harness is a harness, just as it sounds, it has a clip for the leash on the front or the lead on the front of the, the, the harness, or it moves, the lead attaches in some way across the front of the harness. Okay, so what happens there is how those dogs, uh, those harnesses work is the dog moves forward and as they move forward, they get pulled off balance. Okay, so they get pulled off balance and the, the aim or the thought is with these harnesses that in order for the dog not to pull, the dog then relieves that pressure by walking by your side. Okay, so it's the result of the un, the discomfort, the dog moving forward on the harness and then relieving that um, pressure on their body, which uh, causes the dog to walk next to you. Okay, all right. Now, with a front pull harness, uh, imagine uh, again, and these are, there's, I'm just explaining how these things work. Okay, there's, uh, um, with some, sometimes we have to use a piece of training equipment to get in and start the process. Okay, we just we just do. Okay. Um, and imagine I'm walking down the street, you're on my left side, I've got a lead attached to you, but it's attached to your, um, your solar plexus. Okay, or it's attached through some device through your solar plexus to your left shoulder. And every time that you move forward, and you move out of my space, I slow down or I pull back and that pulls you around. Okay, so you're constantly pulling against that and it's pulling you off course. Okay, so that's going to become annoying, isn't it? All right. Now, um, the front clip harness, again, it's um, they're very often used to physically control the dog. Okay, and it's to allow us uh, an easier life. So with all of a lot of these things that you'll hear us talking, that you'll hear me talking about in this episode, the dog is paying the price for us not teaching them, okay? And I, I really don't know how to say that any more gently than that, okay? Or with any more sympathy. The dog is paying the price for us not teaching the dog to walk with us, okay? And it's up to us to bring that dog into life and teach them to walk with us, okay? Um, and I think it's only fair that, that, that we do that, okay? Because 
our dogs shouldn't constantly be paying the price. Shouldn't we shouldn't ask our dogs to fit in with us all the time? It should be up to us to, to teach them. And that's just that's just my view on it. Okay. So front clip harnesses pull the dog off balance. Okay. Now, if the dog is pulling and you start walking backwards, okay, so you again relax your upper body and start walking backwards, that will turn the dog as gently as we possibly can to move with you. Okay, um, so you see how that's done with body movement and not with our arms, which I talked about in the loose lead uh, walking episode, which I think was episode one or two thereabouts. Okay, but you can go back through the back catalog and listen to that if you if you're inclined to. Okay, so that's a front clip harness. There are moving on from that. There are no pull harnesses. So a no pull harness um, it can be a front clip harness or it can be a back clip harness, but they're basically designed that. As the dog pulls, again, causes some sort of restriction or discomfort in the dog, and the dog relieves that pressure um, by uh, walking next to you. Okay, so we're using a negative reinforcement strategy. And if you're in, if you, I'm going to talk about negative reinforcement in a future episode, but I, I briefly talked about it um recently when i talk about positive reinforcement and the difference between positive and negative reinforcement in their scientific terms and what what they are defined by or as what they're defined as okay so front clip harnesses and no pull harnesses work by negative reinforcement okay now years ago when i we got our first dog when i was a boy okay well, i was a boy i was 26 27 and we put her on a uh, no pull harness which attached to the back so that harness had a, a, a drawstring and the drawstring went down attached by a little cinch um, toggle that you would have on a knapsack to uh, for your draw cord so it went down there onto uh, Molly's back back through so underneath her armpits from the back to the front and then back through a, a collar and then up onto the um, and attached that way. So basically, as she pulled forward, um, she she caused forward pressure down on her neck as she was moving forward. OK, um, and the again, the thought behind that is that the dog will then relieve that pressure. But a lot of the time, the dog has just learned so to pull so well for so long that all that you're doing is, is giving the dog a hard time for no no benefit, okay? And because I didn't understand this at the time and I was told you need to keep that nice and snug on her, she ended up with a, um, a pressure sore on her back from where the toggle um, was pushed onto her, her back. Um, and I realized that I stopped using it, okay? So that's a, a no-pull harness. So there's various ones on the market, okay? Um, and again, you might you might decide that you're going to have to that you want to use this. So if you get a massive dog that pulls like a train, and you're a small person who's perhaps not physically strong, you may have to use some piece of training equipment to get the thing started. Okay, but we're looking to use uh, make it the least amount of unpleasant as we possibly can. That's what we're looking for with uh, training equipment. In fact, with all the stuff that we were doing, most positive. So we're looking for the most pleasant way that we can train. And if we're having to use, so physically move the dog, um, a variety of other things, which we'll talk about in future episodes, it's the least amount of unpleasant as we possibly can. Okay. So there's a way that we can remove a toddler from a supermarket if they're having a tantrum. And we can do that as kindly as possible, but still unpleasant for the toddler. 
or we could um, drag them um, by the scruff of the neck and drag them along the floor. Not advocating you do that. Please don't do that, okay? But you know the point I'm making, hopefully. Um, I'm going to say hopefully, looking at some of the um, comments that you see in social media, um, <laughs> sometimes you wonder, eh? Okay, because you, you look at these car crash conversations and you think, are, are you even reading the same words as I'm reading? Are you on the same planet? Okay, so not advocating that we drag um, toddlers along the, the floor in the supermarket, and I'm not advocating that we grab them by the scruff of the neck, but sometimes we do need to remove them. Okay, so pick them up, relax, move them. Okay. Okay, so now going on to um, slip leads. Okay, so a slip lead is um, a, a lead which looks like a noose. Okay, so just as it sounds, it's one long piece of um, lead which has a, a circular ring on the end and then it feeds back through. Okay, so it just loops over the dog's um, head and... Um, and then we can take it off. Now, as far as I know, they were designed as gun dog leads. Okay, they were designed um, primarily as gun dog leads because gun dogs are working off lead and with no collar or harness on, and that's so that they don't get um, hounds and gun dogs. Uh, so that as they're moving through the countryside, um, they don't get um, snared with a, a, a hot collar or a harness on a branch or anything like that. Um, so gun dog leads are generally used to put the dog on a lead, take them out of the car, move them into the, um, the area where they're going to be working and then let them off. Okay, so it's really a transport lead. Um, it's used for short distances, move from here to there. Okay. Um, and uh, you'll often see them um, in vet surgeries. Okay, so they're dead easy to put on and they're dead easy to take off. Okay, but they're easy to put on because we don't have to fasten them. We just lasso it over the dog's head. Um, bring it in so that it's um, tight enough that it can't get back uh, off and then move the dog, okay? Now, you see with that, just by its design, if the dog pulls forward, that's going to tighten up, okay? And it's just it's just how it works. So I see trainers that because, I'll talk about choke chains in a second because the choke chain is the same design as a slip lead. Um, just because it's a soft lead, doesn't mean that it can't be used to tighten up and choke the dog. Okay, so um, there's, uh, oh, Logan's having a shake of his ears. Um, so very often what I'll do is I'll see um, the the dog being corrected on a choke, on a slip lead. Okay, so the dog does something wrong and a, a, a correction with a snap of the wrist or a snap of the arm is given on the dog's neck, okay? or there's pressure put in the dog's neck to say, stop doing that. And when they stop doing that, release that pressure. Okay, so that's a, by any description uh, or any definition of that, that, that's a noose around the dog's neck, which is used to apply pressure and release pressure. Okay, so it's either, if you do that, I'm gonna hurt you by, by um, putting that pressure in your neck. And then when you do the, pre the behavior that I like, I'm gonna release that pressure. Okay, so that's a slip lead. So the slip lead, um, if it's used again, when I talked about the top of the, the podcast, the intended use, the intended use for a slip lead is for the dog, for a dog that is well trained to walk with you from one place to another and to be let off lead with no with no collar or harness on. That's its intention. Okay, it's when the slip lead is then abused and used as a training tool. So as a its intended use is not as a training tool. 
its intended uses for transport, it's when it's used as a training tool um, and it's used to give the dog a correction and release that correction when the dog does well. Okay. Um, and again, challenge anybody to, um, or I'll invite anybody to challenge me on that. Okay. Um, using proper science and not folklore. Okay. So choke chain. Choke chain is very is just the same design. Okay. So it's a, a noose chain. Okay. And the lead attaches to one side of the uh, the chain. And as the dog pulls forward, that tightens up. Okay. Now it's historically it's been used to when a dog um does something we don't like, we correct the dog. So we're pulling and snapping. So it's like snap, snap, okay, on the lead. So we're pulling back with our arms. Okay. Um and uh, so the dog moves out of heel position, they get snapped back. Uh, so there's a, a lead pop, and they call it a lead pop because that's apparently something nice because it's just a pop on the lead. Not if you're on the receiving end, it's like me popping you in the nose with a fist, okay? Or you popping me in the nose with a fist. Um, you can make it sound like a pop all day long, but you're still hitting me, okay? So um, lead correction on the choke chain, all right? And uh, the again, the pressure going on and coming off is what motivates the dog to do the behaviours that you like. Okay, so that's a choke chain. Now, what you'll hear people saying it's called a check chain as well. Okay, it's just a check chain because we're just checking the dog, right? So if it's a check chain and not a choke chain, and we're just checking the dog, what are we checking the dog for? If you don't do that. I will do this, okay? So I don't know if you're, I don't know if this is just kind of local West of Scotland stuff, but we used to say when you, we were young, grown up in the 80s, and you'd say that you got checked off your old neighbour, okay? So she would rattle the window and check you for kicking the ball off the, the back, or back fence or something like that, okay? Now she was basically saying to you, see if you don't do this, I'm going to come out and I'm going to give you into trouble. And at that time, that meant something. And, or then go and tell your parents, and then you'd be like that, oh, I don't want to get, you know, because we get properly in this trouble, so we'd get, you know, smacked or grounded, okay? Um, so you're getting checked that if you don't do something, something else is coming, okay? So when people start saying with a choke chain, it'll only have to use the, um, I just have to click it, okay? I just have to click that a little bit and the dog uh, pays attention. That's because the click and the sound of metal on metal and the, the gentle feeling, gentle, okay, or the, the slight feeling of the change of the pressure on a dog's neck is now a warning. Stop doing that or I'm going to hurt you. Okay, so that's what it means. Okay, that's what the choke chain means. So, um, and what will happen is that with a lot of dogs is that they will, they will just test that occasionally. They'll just say, is it worth it? Okay, and um, we also get um, a buildup of uh, tolerance to that. Okay, so going back to uh, jujitsu analogy, when I first started doing jujitsu, being having a big, big guy sitting on top of you, sitting on your diaphragm, being unable to breathe and pinning you down for you and being unable to move is massively, massively restrictive and suffocating. But the more that you do this, the more you gain tolerance for it. And it becomes less and less and less unpleasant each time till you start working out, I'm actually okay here. So he then has to put more pressure on you, okay, in order for you to get that same feeling, okay? 
So you build up a tolerance to it the same way as we do with a lot of other things. Heat, cold, um, and, and we know about drugs, tolerances to drugs. So if you're exposed to something over and over and over again, um, especially with gradually increasing exposure, um, you'll build up a tolerance to that. Okay. So now we have to use harsher corrections more often. Okay. So that's what happens with the choke chain. Um, I'm going to talk about punishment calluses in a future episode. Okay. So punishment calluses is a, a punishment calluses is a really interesting concept as well. Okay. So moving on to um, a half check. Okay. So a half check is or a half choke is a piece of um, cloth or leather which has a, a chain in between it. The lead attaches um, to the chain, and when the dog pulls forward, that chain tightens up. Okay, the chain tightens up and then it goes snug uh, on the dog's neck or it pulls tight across the dog's throat, one of the two of those, okay? So it's kind of halfway between a choke chain and a flat collar. Now, um, some people like to use, it's also called a martingale, martingale, okay? I think it is a martingale. Martin Gale, yeah, that's how it will be spelled, Martin Gale. Um, and um, people with uh, dogs like bulldogs um, or a dog which has got a much thicker neck than the breadth of the head very often like to use a, um, a martingale because they can put it on, the dog can wear that comfortably, but if it goes to, go to move forward, it just um, tightens around the dog's, underneath the dog's chin. Okay, um, so a flat collar would just pop straight off if the dog turned around and walked back, whereas a martingale wouldn't. Okay, so um, again, a martingale can be used in the same way as a choke chain, um, but but don't assume that just because somebody, a dog is wearing a martingale that that's what the person's using it for. Okay, all right, so that's a, a martingale. Now looking at prong collar. So if you're interested in what a prong collar looks like, and please don't use them, okay? Um, prong collar is a series of, it looks like a medieval torture device, okay? Um, and uh, it's a series of links, which all link in together, and the prongs are on the inside. The prongs should be rounded, okay? So they shouldn't be um, sharp. They should be rounded, okay? Attaches onto the dog, designed the same way as a martingale. So um, it's got that chain in the middle, which the lead attaches to, and as it, uh, the dog moves forward, the, lead, the um, collar tightens up. And as the, the collar tightens up, the prongs move closer in towards each other and they pinch the dog's skin or dig into the dog's neck. So it'll be one of the two, depending on the dog's anatomy. Okay, so all, a prong collar will often be called a pinch collar as well, because it's pinching the dog's neck. So you hear the myth and folklore that a prong collar mimics a mother biting the back of a puppy's neck, and this is why it's effective. Okay, and I'm just going to call BS on that right now. It's just garbage. It's I, I can't even begin to tell you how much how how ridiculous it is. The dog knows you're not a dog. The dog knows you're not his mum, okay, or her mum, okay. Good mothers, good um, dams um, and a, that are rearing a litter don't use that pinch in any way. They don't nip the dog or bite the dog and the puppy in the back of the neck. When a um, mother is weaning the dog, um, 
what they'll do is they generally the, the the puppy round about five weeks, four or five weeks old, around about that time, and um, when they're starting to wean them, if the pup goes on to the mum's teat, mum just walks away. Okay, so the dog just says the mum just says it's not yours anymore and just walks off. Okay, so you see how a good dam still won't bite or nip the puppy. Okay, and won't even growl at them. A, a really good dam. Okay. Um, the other thing I would ask if you ever hear anybody saying this, ask them, ask the person, do you eat your dog's feces to clean up after them? Okay, so that's the answer to that because that's what a, a, a good mother does. Okay, that's what a mother pup, does to pups. Um, licks the dog's um, anus, uh, the puppy's anus, the dog in order to stimulate defecation and then cleans it up by eating it. Okay, so that's what a female dog, a dam does. Okay, so you can, if you're ever challenged on that, just ask them that question and it should shut them up. Okay, so it does not mimic. That's not what it does. It's not what it's, it's not, it's just not what it does. Just, just not what it does. Okay, what it does is it pinches the dog's neck or digs into the dog's neck. So as the dog moves forward to pull, okay, um, that causes pain discomfort or annoyance it's always one of those three things okay pain discomfort or annoyance um, and the dog again relieves that pressure so that's if it's used by relieving the pressure of that and the other thing that we can that you could do with a prong collar is when a dog does a behavior that you don't like you correct the dog by yanking on that lead now with my previous i've used a prong collar in the past um because i, I was uh, i thought that i needed to and I was told all the lies, it doesn't hurt. Um, I used it on my Mastiff boy and he used to, when I corrected him, he actually used to yelp in pain. And the trainer at the time, and again, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and this is why I'm saying to, to be compassionate with people. Um, the, the trainer that I use at the time says, he's not in pain, he's just protesting. Yeah, I know why he's protesting, because he's in pain, mate. Okay, now that's, just, that's now what I know. Okay, because if you did that to me, I would be protesting as well. Stop hurting me, please. Okay. Um, now, uh, because it's so effective at delivering pain, discomfort, and annoyance, it can be much more effective than a choke chain. Okay. Um, so it's just like putting, if you think about, if you press down on um, a rounded ball, Okay, so a ball about the size of a tennis ball and you press your hand down on it with, with force, okay? Now you get that ballpoint pen we were talking about and you hold it there and you push it down again, okay, with the same pressure. Um, you're going to get all that pressure through that one point into your hand versus um, spread over the weight of that. So it's just physics in this, okay? So that's a prong collar. And I used prong collars before. Uh, and... Um, yeah, they work, but the fallout is that you're hurting your dog, you're damaging your relationship potentially, and then all that stress has to go somewhere. So there's a fantastic book called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's called, uh, sorry, it's by Bessel van der Kolk, who is, uh, I think he's a doctor actually. Uh, either a doctor or a psychologist or a neuroscientist. And uh, so... Bessel van der Kolk, um, the body keeps the score. Basically, any trauma that we experience gets locked in the body somewhere. Okay, so um, it causes increased um, stress hormones, 
um, which then affect your health. That's if it's becoming internalized or it becomes externalized into more aggressive behavior, which might pop up somewhere else. Okay. So that's why um, not to use a prong collar. Okay. All right. Now, moving on from that, the electric collar. Electric collar um, or shock collar. Now, you'll hear um, proponents of e collars saying that. Again, they don't hurt. And I'll always ask, how do they work? Okay. Now, what they'll turn around and say is um, they work by giving um, information to the dog, information, okay, to the dog um, that the dog responds to. Okay. Yeah. Now, that, that's, that's true. They have the dog information. But where's, what's the motivation there? And why is the dog responding? Okay. And how is that affecting behavior? So that's what we're looking at there. And I'm going to talk a bit more about e-collars in, in a future uh, podcast episode because there's a lot to go into it. And there's a lot of myth and folklore again surrounding it. Okay. So it's pain, annoyance, or uh, discomfort. And that's how a prong collar, a choke chain, and an e-collar will work. Okay. For their intended use. Okay. And that's important. Okay, because a flat collar and a Y-shaped harness are not intended to be uh, to have that use. Okay, they can do if they're if they're not used appropriately, but that's not their intended use. Whereas a choke chain, prong collar, and e-collar, that is their intended use. Okay, and there's no other way around it. That's what they're intended for. Stop doing that; it'll hurt you. If you do the behavior that I like, I'll stop hurting you or I'll stop annoying you. Now, going on to that annoyance or discomfort thing, okay, when people saying it's just mild. And I go, well, yeah, cool, it's just mild. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a tiny pebble uh, or tiny stone and I'm going to put it inside your sock and it's going to rattle about your sock all day. Okay, and you're going to walk around all day long with that. In it. Now, it's not painful, um, but it's really annoying and it's going to cause you to be annoyed and the longer it's there the more annoyance it's going to cause and that grumbling level of ugh, like that stone that pebble that tiny piece of stone is still in my between my sock and my foot that's going to have an effect on your mood and then an effect on your your overall behavior all right um, and you will work in order to get rid of that so what would you do ask i'm going to I'll pause think about what would you do if you had a stone in your shoe okay in your sock going to take your 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 um, sock off and you're going to remove that stone okay um, the other thing is um, even if you even if it's not even a, even if it's not a stone put your sock on wrong okay or your sock is wet or you're wearing shoes I remember this when I was a child and you're wearing um, wellies or gum boots as you would call them in other countries okay so rubber boots that were my brothers before me um, and I was having to grow into them. And um, as you're walking, um, your sock then starts falling down your leg and then uh, bunches up around your heel and then twists. Okay. So that's not that's not even a stone. That's just your sock not fitting properly. And it's going to cause enough annoyance that will cause you to, um, uh, to act in order to avoid it. And imagine you can't avoid it now. Imagine that's there all the time as a threat. I'm going to do that to you. Okay, all right, it's going to get, that's going to get tiresome really, really quickly. Okay, so that's e-collars, but I'm going to talk more in detail in e-collars in the future. Okay, now the long lead, moving on to long leads. I talked a little bit in my, uh, the, <laughs> we could hear that. 
as long <laughs> I don't know if the microphone's picking that up. He started either snoring or dreaming or he's grumbling because I'm talking and he's trying to sleep. Oh, leave me alone, Dad, be quiet. Okay. Right. So um the long lead. Um so talked at length on the length of the lead that, that it's um, best to use for teaching a dog to walk in a lead in my loose lead walking um, podcast, which was episode one or two, I think. Okay. Um, so we're looking at long line. And now the long lines that I use are um, either five meters, so that's about 15 and a half feet, or 10 meters, which is 33 feet. Okay. So those are the two long leads that I will use. Now, I will use a lead to um, slow the dog down and stop them. Okay, so it's basically to prevent unwanted behaviors. I don't use it to reel the dog in like a marlin. Okay, so it's to put pressure on a dog's um, neck or harness um, and then relieve that pressure. So I'm not using it like a lunge line with a horse. Okay, that's not how I'm using it. So you'll hear people saying that an e-collar is effectively the same as a long lead. Okay, it's really, really, really not. It's really not. And if somebody's using a long lead the same way as they're using an e-collar, it will generally be because they're using pressure release. Okay, so they're putting pressure on the dog in some way and then relief, releasing that pressure in order to get the behavior that they want. Oh, sorry, when they get the behavior that they want. Okay, um, so the long leads are there basically to, to, to make sure your dog doesn't escape okay, or doesn't leave with you. And if you're using your movement properly and you're using your movement well and you've built your bond well, your dog very often will stay within a 10-meter um, range of you, okay, if we're using our, our, lead, our, our movement well and observing our dog and the environment well, okay. So I use a 5-meter and a 10-meter lead depending on what I'm using, okay. Lastly, on the training equipment, we're going to look at head collars. So head collar is another a head halter. Okay, so it's, it looks sometimes they look like muzzles. Goes round the dog's snout and attaches behind the dog's neck. And again, that puts pressure on the dog's head and neck, so the dog relieves that pressure. Okay. Um, now. That's what they're intended for. That's their intended use. So people, when you, you see that the marketing of these tools is, is um, good because I'll say it's like the miracle cure and the dog will walk easily with you and have a pleasant experience. Okay. There was one I remember a long time ago um, working with a trainer and she explained to me that this specific um, head collar sat on the pressure points on the dog's head and massaged them and gave the dog a, a pleasant feeling. Okay, it's all types of nonsense going on with that statement. All right, that's not what they do. Okay, it's um, round the dog's head, dog pulls, pressure on the dog's neck, dog relieves that pressure by walking next to you. Okay, so it's a, they're on a negative reinforcement contingency. Okay, so they're moving or they're staying with you in order to relieve that pressure. Now, Having said that, head collar is the one piece of training equipment that I will sometimes use. And I will use it if um, there is a dog, we've got a dog who, whose behavior is um, so intense. Okay, so we've got a lot of energy in that dog, lack of skill in the owner, a lot of time lack of um, physical size and, and strength. Okay, so they're a small owner with little training skills with a powerful dog um, 
that has had a long history of doing aberrant behaviour. And it's aberrant as far as we are concerned. Okay, so with that combination, again, we need to start somewhere. And I very, very, very quickly will teach them how to handle that lead well so that it's the least amount of unpleasant as we can possibly make it. But we need do need to have physical control of that dog. And the head collar is, is a, for me, is an acceptable way to use that. Okay. Um, but I'm always, always, always working as fast as I can, okay, to get the dog on a flat collar first and then hope hopefully onto a harness, onto a solid harness. Okay. Um, so that that's how I will use them. I'll use them in some instances. Okay. Um, and that's not me condoning their use, and that's not me condemning their use. Okay, that's just me saying this is this is how I use them, and it's in a, a really unique circumstances. Okay, and I'm constantly working to see um, can we get that off as quickly as possible, uh, and improving everything that I'm doing to see uh, is it necessary in the first place. Okay, and uh, they're the, out of the hundreds of dogs I work with over the course of a year. Um, we're probably I don't think I could count on half of the fingers in one hand how many times a dog's on a head collar, okay? Um, all right, so that's looking at training equipment, okay? So there's a lot in that. So what I just want to, to have, for you to have a think about is if you're using a piece of training equipment or so whether it's a front clip harness, um, a head collar, or if you're using the more aversive training tools like um, a choke chain or a prong collar or an e-collar, is sit down and think about um, how is this affecting the dog's behavior? And then look at the science behind it. So don't, and it's the textbooks that you have to have to look at. Okay, you have to do some research into learning theory. Okay, um, it's not your mate that's used uh, a chalk chain for years and has, has never had any difficulty with his dog and his dog loves it. Okay, um, on that, you'll hear people saying um, when they pick up the prong collar or the choke chain, the dog runs to the door wagging their tail. So my dog loves my, his prong collar. I can assure you he doesn't. What he's just done is he's just associated the, the prong collar or the choke chain going on with him getting out and up for a walk. And it's the walk that he loves. Okay, he just has to bear that piece of training equipment going on to him in order to get out there. Okay, so if you look at um, a 20 pound note, Okay, so £20 note in the UK is uh, kind of pink and purple in colour, all right? Um, and if somebody gave me a £20 note, £20, I'd go, oh, cool, that's good. Okay, so I could buy a cinema ticket, um, buy some shopping, okay, and petrol for my car. Okay, so there's something there that I can go, oh, that's cool. Okay, there's something, it's, it's substantial enough that I would go, oh, that's a good gift, okay? I don't love, they're now plastic, okay? Um, the... Uh, the banknotes in the UK, they're now plastic, okay, but I don't love purple plastic, right? It's associated, all that it is, is is something that means that I can do something else with it, okay, so that's what the, when your dog, your dog doesn't love your leather, your leather lead, okay, it does, your dog doesn't love the flat collar, they love the walk that's associated with that, okay, um, and I'll talk more about that in future episodes as well. All right, so, um, Couple of things just for housekeeping as we're finishing up. I'm starting an ambassador. Um, oops, sorry, starting an ambassador program um, for my online courses. So you will receive um, heavy discounts on the courses, and um, you will also, um, if you're successful, 
um, you'll get commissioned if you're, you're passing those uh, courses on to your um, clients and your friends. Uh, so you could end up getting free training with me if you're successful and you're also passing those discounts on to somebody else. So as an ambassador, you get the discount, you're able to pass on discounts to other people um, and uh, we're able to get this information out to improve the lives of dogs okay, and for yourselves as well. So continuing your education um, and making your, your dog's lives better. So it's just ripple effects I, um, and I'm looking for your help with it. Okay, So if you're at all interested, um, email me info at glasgowdogtrainer.co.uk. So that's info at glasgowdogtrainer.co.uk for the ambassador uh, programme. Some good incentives on that, okay? And the, the discounts are heavy for you as an ambassador. Um, and I'd, I'd welcome you to get in touch. Um, I won't be taking everybody, okay? So it's just the right people that I'm wanting for it. Um, yeah, massive thanks again for listening to this. Um, please do get in touch with me. Uh, any questions that you've got on it, on the information that I've covered in today's episode, ping me an, an email. Um, I will most certainly respond to you and then I'll take your question on and I'll, I'll answer it um, at the beginning of the next podcast that I do after I get it. Okay, so keep your emails coming in and uh, stay safe, wear your mask, keep your distance, wash your hands, um, look after each other. Remember that we have other people are taking their bigger share of the burden of the pandemic than others uh, and and be well look after yourselves love and peace to y'all so massive thanks for listening today if you're at all interested in learning more about dog training i have several online courses available if you go to glasgow dog trainer online dot think com. that's glasgow dog trainer online dot t-h-i-n-k-i-f-c dot com there's a number of uh, training courses there which are both standalone courses and membership courses the dog training and behavior modification course is 15 pounds per month and for that you get 10 new lessons every month on a rolling contract uh, kind of like netflix if you're interested in that course, if you use the discount code INTRO, I-N-T-R-O 20, INTRO 20, and 20 is a 2-0, so that's I-N-T-R-O 2-0, at the checkout you'll get 20% off for the first three years.